0: Oh, thank you. Yes. <laughs> so um, at 10.45 we're going to have a 15 minute break, so just in case uh, you're wondering when that's uh, that's going to be. So um, it's great to see, great to see new faces and some folks that I met at Camp and some young people. Yeah. Great for yeah. you to be here. It's, I'm absolutely thrilled for you what Lord's going to do for each, through each one of us today. Um, whether you end up doing the skills or not, some of the things you're going to learn today and, you know, from last night and today, will really help you begin to release the kingdom wherever you go. And, uh, and I'm going to teach the miracle question, which is something you can use absolutely anywhere. It's, it is incredible. I'll just give you uh, a little snippet of the miracle question, some things that can happen. Right, so here's just one of the things. I mean, we've, we've seen, we've literally seen thousands come to faith. But here's the kind of thing that happens that's really encouragement. Um, uh, so I have this, what well, I call a fishing spot. And when you do the mirror progression, I teach it later on. Um, you can actually do this anyway. You can either wander around and do this. Or uh, like I have when I'm in Coleraine, I have a fishing spot. And this is a, like a bollard on the other side of the town hall, opposite to where we actually do healing on the streets. We've, we've been doing healing on the streets for the last 10 years, every Saturday. But during the week when I do the mirror question, I'm on the other side of the town hall by this wallop. That's my fishing spot, I just leave them there and wait for people to go by and I'm, and I'm fishing. So when they go by, I ask the, the mirror question, which I'll teach. But, but just this story, there was a, so there was a, a, a couple walking by, and I stopped, engaged in conversation, discovered that the brother and sister, the brother, um, believed in God but didn't have a relationship with Jesus. But the, his sister was um, in total unbelief. And not only in unbelief, she was angry with God. I'm not sure I shared this story with you, have I? Just remind guys. I, I know I shared it, I shared it with Steve because I haven't told him the story beforehand. Um, so she was, she not only was she in total ugly, but she was angry, you know, and so she was firing off questions at me with anger in her heart. And you, have you ever met people like that? They're, they're so angry, and um, <coughs> you know, and I could see that those questions she was firing at me um, came from a heart that was deeply hurt, broken, and disappointed. And I knew that it was impossible to answer her question, impossible, because of the state, the condition of her heart. And um, I think in the past, to be honest with you, if I had met someone like that on the street, I would have let them go. Uh, because I knew I just wasn't going to get anywhere with, with people like that. Like, I found it very, very difficult because if you attempted to answer a question, she's already fired off three others, you can't answer, it's impossible to answer. But as I looked at her, I just saw how much God loved this woman, and I just really felt for her, it, 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 deeply inside I felt for her, and how Jesus would have felt for this woman, and I could understand the anger in, in her heart. And at that moment, you know, I prayed my best prayer, which right at that time was, God help. <laughs> it's a very good prayer to pray. And in the moments like that, I will clutch at any straw, you know, straws, anything, Lord, help. This is, this is impossible. Here's a woman in total unbelief and in anger. And then as I and I saw this straw floating by and I grabbed it and I said, Does one of you have a bag back? And the brother smiled and said, She does. She's got a really bad, she's got a trap sighted nerve. No. I said, look, there's, a, there's a, a bench over there, and we have these granite benches uh, in Corona. And I said, look, will you go and sit on that granite bench? Because, you know, we've seen many, many people healed when they've sat on that bench and prayed and them. And last, pray for them. We've seen God heal them. And I really believe God wants to heal you. Could you please take a seat? And she said, no, I don't. I don't believe in God. And even if I did go and sit in that chair, nothing is going to happen. Right, maybe she's not believe. So I thought, how the can I get to pray? She, she wouldn't let me pray for her. So um, at the same time, I'm listening to God. And then I just felt led to share the story about this um, up-and-coming boxer in Northern Ireland. He was at one time Northern Ireland's top boxer. But six years previously, he'd had a, a car accident and had broken his leg quite badly. Um, this man, if you ever ever see him he he would walk around town this particular boxer uh, and and there was violence all over him, he he had this look Uh, he would walk around town like this, with his fist clenched and with this look on his face that if you take one if you glance at me, if you take one look at me I will knock you out that kind of you know, air of violence. And Scott, who's um, the associate of uh, in Corot, and I thought, we're after this. You know, God's after this man. We're going to chase him down. We're going to get him. Because he he went to the same gym as as we did, and we were seen around town. And when he discovered, when we started to approach him, talk to him about Jesus, he would run. I mean, he was like God, you know. So he would avoid us. But one day we, we managed to, uh, we discovered about his leg, we managed to corner him in town. <laughs> and he sat on the bench. And uh, he began to tell me about the, how his leg had broken, pins in his leg and, and his knee. And I said, Well, can I just check your legs so out? And I began to bring the leg up. And he, he said, But that's not the problem. I was checking the length of his leg. I know it's quite controversial, I don't care. But I was checking the length <laughs> of leg. And he said, But that's not the problem. And I said, I, uh, just bear with me for one moment. He said, can you see one leg shorter? He says, yes, but that's not the problem. I said, just hold on a moment, I prayed. The leg grew out, and he went, now he's like really, you know, he's a little bit shocked, but he said, that's not the problem, the problem is this, I can't do this. And he lifted his foot to the ground, <laughs> and suddenly he swore out loud, I think the middle of town, you know, he swore out loud, he jumped to his feet, in total shock, and I said, So, so Jesus has healed you. He went. Well, I've not been able to do that in six years. I said. So he's healed you. He said. Well, not completely. I said. But I can lift my foot. You know. I said. Okay. Just hold on a moment. I knelt down. Just put put my hand on his foot. I prayed the second time, and I said, try it again. And this time, his foot went up completely. He swore out loud again, (laughs) and he started to hug. His foot started to hug me in the street. Okay. And um, I mean, you see this man now, he's, he is, you know, God has melted his heart, the violence has gone, right. you know, he loves God. And as I shared this story, the brother said, I know that man, I heard that story. He turned to his sister, You have got to sit on that bench.
1: <laughs>
0: right? So, so now he, the brother, coaxes his sister to the bench. She is reluctant to sit on it, but she does because he's coaxed her to do that. And then I brought her legs up and I said to the brother, come and look at this, can you see your sister's leg? One leg short. She said, yes. I began to play, the leg began to grow out. He said, your leg's growing. She said, he's pulling my leg. Remember, she was numbling, <laughs> still. all <laughs> right. Her leg grows out, she gets up. She refuses to acknowledge that anything happened. My brother said, well, I saw your leg grow up. He said, No, he pulled my leg, which is impossible to do. And as she stood there talking to me, she suddenly shares that she suffers with arthritis. She's about 28, 29 years of age. I said, Could I pray for you that Jesus will also heal you of arthritis? And now she's, she allows me to pray for her. I just take her hand and I begin to pray my best prayer. I begin to command the arthritis to go. That as I'm doing that, as I'm praying for her, God speaks to me. Now God speaks clearly. And I stopped and I said, I just felt God saying to me that you um, suffer with really bad nightmares and you've been suffering with these nightmares for a long, long time. And she looked in absolute shock and said, how do you know that? "So these nightmares have been so bad I've had to see the doctor, I've had to go to the hospital because of these nightmares. How do you know that? I said, I told you, God loves you. He cares. He knows everything about you. He wants to bring healing into your life. And she stared me in the eyes. and She looked. She locked eyes at me. She said, if that's the case, tell me what happened to me. If you're saying that God knows everything about me, tell me what happened. You tell me what happened to me. And instantly, without hesitation, I said, a man tried to murder you. She, she almost staggered back in shock. She right. said, how do you know that? Right. I said, I told you. God knows everything about you. loves you. Wants to hear you. And with that, she quieted and, and allowed me to share the gospel with her. The gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Wow. She listened and at the end opened her heart to Jesus, received Jesus into her heart. I prayed for her to be filled with the Holy Spirit. As I prayed for her, she began to shake, the whole body began to shake. She said, Enough, enough. In a short space of time, a woman can come from total unbelief to faith in Jesus. What does that tell me? It tells me that a town, a whole town can come to know Jesus. Yeah. It shows me that a whole city can come to know Jesus. It tells me that a whole nation can come to know Jesus. That's what I believe. I've just seen someone come from total unbelief. The Miracle pressure I'm going to teach that later. So that's just a snippet, just to wake your appetite, okay? <laughs> but, um, but the teaching I bring on healing the streets, and I'm going to the model, the way that we actually pray for healing on the streets, um, is slightly different to the way that you would pray, um, slightly different to the way that you would pray uh, using the Miracle pressure if you're not doing healing the streets, because there's more, you know, you're, you can be more creative, and just go with how the power of Spirit is leading him. Um, but, uh, so, when you understand who you are in Christ, when you understand, when you're living in the perspective of the, the reality of God's kingdom, that you're seated with Jesus, remember I, I said last night that you are a citizen of God's kingdom, you're a child of heaven, God is your father, you have a seat at the kings table. you can come and go, so it's a privilege, you know, just like, you can come and go, um, However, I please. Um, I'm, a, I'm a, an heir of God, I'm a co heir of Christ. Uh, I'm seated with Jesus. He's made me his ambassador, he's made you a representative, his representative, and he's giving you his authority. He's delegated his authority and all authority in heaven and earth to be given to him. He delegates his authority to you. Now, so you're my ambassador. I give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth, I will bind in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth, I will loose in heaven. And, and simply what Jesus said is, I give you my authority. I go and exercise my authority, wherever you go. Just do the things it's that it's I, I, I did on earth. And so, when you when you understand, you begin to understand that you are carrying the divine presence, that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit lives within your human spirit, that you carry the presence of God, that wherever you stand, Um, The ground that you stand on represents the kingdom because you're an ambassador for his kingdom. That wherever you go, your light, your salt, you affect everything around you. It's not the other way around. Okay? You affect everything. If there's darkness then, you affect the darkness. Okay? Um, So we pray for insight and understanding. We set our hearts and minds and things above. So we begin to think and act Jesus. We develop a kingdom of mentality and a heavenly perspective. We make room for faith to take root and grow. Hebrews 12 Jesus says, Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. When a believer gains insight and understanding, and grasp hold of kingdom authority trees, feeling can be ministered in many creative ways. When you realize you have authority, really have been given authority, then you can release and exercise your authority in many ways. I was saying, I was saying um last night that the trouble with authority, I mean the authority that Jesus has given to us is that it can be abused, it can be misused, it can be misunderstood, there can be the lack of wisdom in use of it. That's why I'm sure you've seen uh, people who have been highly anointed doing things on platforms that you thought, you know, that's a little bit over the top. Well, I wouldn't necessarily do that. And, um, you know, but God, God's, in the, you know, person's healed, may maybe broken out. And that's amazing, but I couldn't do that in my workplace. If I get that my workplace, I get the sack. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? So sometimes some of the things that we've seen happen on a platform hasn't been helpful to the general body, and it's for each one of us to minister um, the authority of Jesus. But when you understand that you, the authority you've given is up to you, how you just you know it's up to you how you exercise an authority. Jesus gives you this authority; it doesn't tell you how to use it. So it can be used. But anyway, I don't, I don't have time to go into that, but let's just have a look. If you have a look at the way that Jesus and the disciples ministered healing, it's really interesting and it's a lot of fun. So I'm going to ask you a question, all right? So those of you who read your Bible, give me a few examples of how Jesus and the disciples specifically ministered healing. So just don't shout out, put your hand up if you can think of a specific way that Jesus – yes – Right, okay, so, you know the story where where the friends, you know, broke a hole through the roof to lower the paralytic down in front of Jesus, in, and, you know, and what did Jesus say to him? said like you're thinking. You're thinking yeah. yeah, but this is something else? Yes. Pick up your mat walk, and you just go away. Okay, any, any other ways that Jesus... So basically, Jesus, Jesus said, get up." Just said, basically, "Get up." Yes. Okay, spit. <laughs> All right. Let's let's just let's just um, let's just, let's just go on the spit part. Okay? So yeah, So you know the story. There was a man who could hardly. Uh, he was deaf and could hardly speak. So Jesus took him outside of, of the, the village and. Um, now you have to picture, remember, as a young Christian, I'm reading the Bible for the first time, because I came from an artistic background, I pictured everything. And you want to try this because sometimes it's like when you really try and picture what's happening, you can quite amuse it. I I chatted so much. I'm sure he made a lot of people laugh while punching over a message. So Jesus puts his fingers into this man's ears, so he maybe. Imagine Jesus' fingers going into the man's ear and your <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to try and make it a graphic. <laughs> right. then, he, then he pulls his fingers out, takes the fingers, you take it from the man's ear, uh...
1: sticks it on the man's tongue.
0: <laughs> and, and I'm, I'm wondering, you I'm rubbing your finger on that man's <laughs> tongue. I'm not sure what exactly it'll do. I'm trying to think, you put his finger on the man's tongue. And, Rubbing your finger, just taking out of his ear onto his tongue, and then Jesus spits. It doesn't exactly say where he spits, but what's implied is actually spits on the tongue, which is pretty yucky. <laughs> okay. and, then, and then it says Ephphatha, which, which is a really good word of command, which means be opened. Right? Immediately he could hear and speak clearly. So there's that, that and there's another couple of times that Jesus used to spit. There is another one where. Um, Jesus, um, there was a man who was blind. Okay, and he spits. Do you remember the one he spits in the man's eyes? <laughs> <laughs> and then he puts his hand in the man's eyes. I, and when I'm reading this as a new Christian, I'm thinking, "Oh, just, you're rubbing the spit into his eyes." <laughs> and he he's rubbing the spit into the man's eyes. And then he says to the man, what do you see?" He says, "Well, I see." They look like trees walking around. And I thought, oh Lord, perhaps we shouldn't spat in his <laughs> I mean, if I spit in your eyes, you can see clearly. Yeah. But then Jesus ministers the second time. The second time he doesn't spit in the man's eyes. He puts his hands in the man's eyes. He doesn't spit, but he puts the man. Up. I thought, I don't to do You're rubbing the your stick <laughs> off. <laughs> and, then, and then the man can see clearly. And there's another time that Jesus. Spit. I mean, seem to like to use spit. So this time it was like there was a man who was born blind. Okay. So and this man he's he's born blind. And so Jesus starts to make mud pies. <laughs> Anyone made mud pies as children, pete? Yeah, but Jesus, what he does, he spits into the dust. He starts making mud pies and this spit. <laughs> he's too much <well> for <laughs> <laughs> I agree. <laughs> So he's making my What's he doing? I mean, this seems to be such a long-winded way of ministering healing to a blind man. Well, I just think, I mean, Jesus is just making a point, that's all. A couple of points. Because remember, there's Pharisees that are watching him, people trying to criticize him and teach us the law. And what he's saying, he's making a, a statement. What I believe he's saying is this: <coughs> you know, Jesus created us from the dust of the earth. And I think he was making some, mud, some eyeballs out of mud. He said, that's a nice looking eyeball wedge. <laughs> <laughs> Sticks in that socket. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> in the other socket.
0: Two <laughs> mud eyeballs. But the other thing I think Jesus is doing is he's de- deliberately upsetting religious believers. Is he really doing that? Yes, I believe he is. Because, you see, there was a law. You know the law that that was given. This was remember, this happened on the Sabbath day. And well, on the Sabbath day, you're you not meant to do. You're not meant to work. And there were these religious leaders that wrote these books about the law and about what it meant. You know, what does it mean not to work on the Sabbath day? And people that wrote books about the books that were written about the law. And then we find the law down so much that instead of giving liberty and freedom, because it's a really good thing to have a a break, we need a day of rest, it's very important for our our own well-being, that you need rest, you need to rest in God. Um, But what I believe, you know, so uh, they made this stupid law, it was really stupid, and it was this, on the Sabbath day you couldn't spit in the dust, because what will happen is the spit will roll in the dust and make mud, and that's work. How crazy is that? And you can spit on a rock, the spit, and not move. And that's okay. I mean, crazy. And Jesus is going, watch this. <laughs> you know that law that you made? I understand how stupid it is. <laughs> Take that. And then, and then Jesus says to the blind man, and he's, he's so he's got these two mud socket, you know, plugs in his eyes, which I believe are mud was. And then he says what? to the blind man, they go wash the pool of slur. Now, what's, what's that all about? And what about the pull of possession? Isn't that, you know, has the anointing of God gone from them and moved to the pool? No, I just think the Lord has a brainwave. You know, he has a, because right, and remember that Jesus, in the beginning, he, he ministered publicly. His miracles happened in full view of everyone, he didn't hide them. Then you'll see if you if you read everything in context, you take the whole picture, and you'll see that the crowds were growing so fast that he was unable to to go to place. He would say, I must go to other towns to preach the good news of the kingdom." That's why have been saying. But the crowds would prevent him from going. He as the crowds grew, he he withdrew to lonely places, <coughs> and he he would come out of you know out of town, he would be out of town, and he would go in town, just minister real quick and slip out, he would bring people outside of town, or villages, he would heal them, and he would start telling them, don't tell anybody. Alright? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a leper that comes, and he says to the leper, he heals the leper, the leper falls at the feet of Jesus and begs Jesus, if you're woman, you can make me clean. Jesus, full of compassion, reaches out his hands, time with him, be clean, he's completely he says, don't go and tell anybody. Go to the priest, go to the high priest, so go to the priest. You know, the priest was a doctor in those days to give the clean bill of health. Just go and speak to him, but don't tell anybody. And what did the letter do? Or <laughs> well, <I> told everybody. <laughs> Jesus heals two blind men. The Bible says he, t- he stern with them. I don't know how Jesus can be stern with two blind men who's just healed. Are he stern with them? He says, do not tell anybody, have you got that? Oh yes, yes, won't say a word, won't say a word. What do they do? They won't tell anybody. The Bible says this, the more that, the more that Jesus told people, this is what the Bible says, you have to check it out, it's really interesting, the more that Jesus told people not to say anything, the more they went out and told people everywhere. Anyway. As a result, he wasn't able to freely move about. I Just that. Checked check it out, it's amazing. That's why Jesus started to minister privately to people. Because he knew the moment, the moment that they had you know, heard that Jesus, that healing was breaking out, um, they would swamp him and, and prevent him from doing the things that he needed to do. That's why Jesus needs us, the body, to minister out there. So <laughs> When he went, when he said, you know, imagine that you're there in this town. You see, you've grown up this blind man. He's got these two months mud idols. He's going to the pool of Siloam to wash the mud out. Who are you going to follow? Jesus or the blind man? I know who I'm following. I'm following the blind man. I've got to see what happens when he washes I've just got to see what happens when he washes the mud out of his eyes. And as he goes that way, well, I just think Jesus I am going this way. He slips out of the ground. Pull the besetting where well, that paralytic was there, Jesus was going, it says, oh yes, but Jesus doesn't, didn't minister to everybody, he just chose one man. Well actually, if you look at it in context, he was actually going to a party. He had to be somewhere. And, and I think the pull of says it was a shortcut, to be honest. But you know, compassion is gripped him as he passes one man. And he heals him, and he just slips through the crowd disappears. And, and there's not, uh, who healed him? Do? I don't know. Uh, there were times that Jesus ministered healing and they didn't even know who, he, who Jesus was. How about that? Later they discovered. Very interesting. It doesn't even say that Jesus after the party didn't come back and minister and witness The time to minister to those sick people around the culprit says I- Imagine um, I- imagine that we only ministers like Jesus. Can I ask how many of you here have any eye defects, have eye problems? Hands up. Okay? That's what It's very interesting. Whenever I ask this question, I think I see three responses, right? I see there's I see there's um, there's a whole number of us wearing glasses, including myself on the head. And when I ask that question, I see some of you that are wearing glasses, put your hand up. I see some of you who are wearing glasses not putting your hat up. So I think, well, maybe it's a fashion accessory, just clear glasses. I just look cool with glasses. Better you know? yeah, a... <laughs> with glasses on there. If eyes are perfect, is just clear glass? And the third group of people, when I ask that question, they take the glasses off and turn." Then... <laughs> 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 But how about we now have, we're we're going to minister like Jesus, we're going to have a ministry of (laughs) spit. So we're going to line up here, those of you who Okay, please take your glasses off. I'm going to, anyone with any wisdom will be at the left hand side, I because I'm going to start there. And, you know, um, where my spit is nice and fresh, you know, my throat's about dry. Because when I get about here, I have to draw from deep down. my <laughs> <laughs> Can you imagine how controversial that would be today? You know, I mean, I mean, it would be like, imagine this church, the Baptist church here, being, you know, being
1: known as the spitting
0: church. People want to come and say, i know this church before. Do you know where it is? Yeah, it's just stand up and listen, like, can I just a little advice? If you're, you know, whatever you do, don't tell them you're sick. And if you do, don't get anything spinning distance them. So, you know, on a Sunday, it's ministry time, so those of you who need healing, please stand. Those of you, those of you who don't get their hats out. Okay, let's begin, let's one. Heidi Baker. And <laughs> <laughs> you, you're in a situation where it makes sense, you know, and then just go and stick on the, the person's eyes and they're Okay, But please don't spit someone's eyes. <laughs> what I'm saying is use wisdom. You don't have to do that. Honestly. You know, um, you can choose the way you release healing. When you have authority, you know you have authority. It's up to you how you decide to do it. Uh, I have proved this by using—I don't have time to tell you. this in the book. I think I think it's written in the book. Once I used water, use a water pistol, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and a super soaker, and new wine, and I thought they're never going to let me back after this. <laughs> and there was a lot of young people there, sitting in the front. And with a wooden pistol I began to minister to healing in the name of Jesus <laughs> by squirting them in the face.
1: <laughs> There's a few ch- cheeky looking lads
0: that needed an extra pose. <laughs> 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 okay, really sure I said you <clears all> took <throat> your hands when went up, place an I mean it was, a, it was amazing. Parents' to yeah, yeah, my my son's heel, my daughter's heel. Brilliant. I said, great, thanks. I was going to sit down. Got the super soda. Shhh. <laughs> Adults, where are you. I don't let you back the next year. And that time I used ne- an air which It's like a toy that shoots out a, a donut ball of air. Brilliant. My dad's hard to explain it. I'll try that. A young people came to into the main, you know, seminar. I began to minister he here with a Zooka in the name of Jesus. <laughs> All the ladies. It's a great toy. Chasing cats, and I don't, don't <laughs> <cats>. <laughs> But um, and then, you know, they're we healed, and this little boy came up and I said, the first boy, or child that wants to look at this toy, because I was going to give it away, this little boy with, with the yeah, was dragging his dad to front to look at this. He wanted his dad to buy this toy. Mm-hmm. And I really asked, I'd said to him, well, the, the, the first child that came to Mars, and asked me, and he has his arm was in a a blue plastic cast, so the exact same colour as the Ezuka. And he said, Can I have a look at that? said, that, Dad, that's the one there. And I thought, You just don't know how much you heavenly dad loves it. He's really pretty I right. did it.
1: Colour coded with your... And he got healed. Wow. And as he walked away, I gave him the Ezuka, and he was seen to be going around the campsite, zooping people in the name of Jesus. And he the healing. Be healed! Be healed! <laughs> it's
0: great. great. When well, you understand your authority, and you'll see how how um, creative healing was being released. So, I mean I don't have time, but like Peter's shadow, for example. Can you make Peter's shadow? And she said, oh no, so many people be healed, I'm in a hurry. So he's running down, he's running up and down all the sick people, and as the shadow touches and they're being healed. Words of command. What's the simplest word of command? Be healed. One of the two ways of we minister healing uh, in healing streets, in the model of healing streets. Is a word of command, so be healed, and um, the laying of hands, right? Which is a bit of a cold, uh, a, a cold description of what it really means is touch. So the best way, the best way of describing the laying of hands when the when the um, the leper fell at the feet of Jesus on his knees and Jesus, if you will, you can make me clean. Now, what would you do when the leper comes to you? What would you do? You know, to touch something? Right. The first thing is you wouldn't let the leper come anywhere near you, you'd be cursing the leper. In those days they would curse and they would spit the leper. They would say, you, you must have done something so bad in your life. You know, I knew your parents. You're cursed. You're unclean. You're a filthy. Stay away from me. Spit. It's well known. Spit was used a lot in those days. It was a curse. And. You know they would, they would just say bad things to, to the leper. The last thing you would do is touch a because the fear was, well, not only would you become unclean, but but the fear was that you'd catch what they had. Oh, don't touch them. Okay. But Jesus, when you looked at that man, compassion filled his heart. That's probably what he was thinking, It's a snippet us see. He must really be thinking, when was the last time anyone ever embraced you? When was the last time you felt physical touch? another human being. When was the last time anyone spoke something good into your life? Anyone told you that you were loved, your life was precious? You know. And as he reached out his hand, he communicated something with his hand. He communicated don't worry, it's okay you're safe, you're loved. Why? Because the hand has been abused. One of the things that the enemy has tried to rob us of is this what this really means. It was never meant for violence. Never meant for violence. But when you hear someone in ministry punching, slapping someone to release healing and most of you have heard of that (coughs) and you know, kicking somebody and they've been healed you wonder how can that be? It's because you have authority God doesn't tell you, it doesn't mean to say that the way you exercise authority is right. It doesn't mean to say it's such right. But because you have authority, authority is being released, and faith is being released. But hitting, slapping someone, keeping them the right book, is never the way, it's not the way of God. Right? So I have three sons, they're, they're all bigger than me right now. <laughs> I have two sons, at the age of 22 right now. One's 20, so one's um, just become 22. And when they, when they were babies, the best son that any father can have. And when they were babies, like, I would hug them, I would kiss them, you know, and, and I pour my love into them as a, as a father. And as they grew, I as it began to grow, I would still I would hug them, I would kiss them until they get like they start playing rough. I mean, it's not so cool to kiss and hug them, but I still do. I mean, I'm trying not to embarrass them. I don't want it in front of people, but I catch them on the way. And it's so important to tell them how much you love them. It's important that you still hug your children, it doesn't matter how big they are. It's important that you hug them, you give them the, the kiss of a father. And, but, when I, but sometimes I can communicate how I feel to them by touch. I put my hand on right the neck, and I don't do like this. <laughs> I put my hand around right the neck, and with that touch, I can say, "I'm proud of you. I'm so proud of you." With a, just with a touch, I can communicate. Hey, it's okay. I understand. Don't worry. Don't be afraid. I love you to bits. You're the apple of my eye. I can communicate so much with touch. And this is what the enemy is sort of robs off. And so healing the streets, one of the things is gentle touch. It communicates so much. And when, that, when Jesus touched that lever, he released more than just healing. Physical healing. It was emotional, social, in every way. <laughs> healing has been released. I was in some... some uh, it was somewhere in London. I can't remember where else I was doing healing. I can't remember exactly where it was. But we... We were just watching on the streets. A man went by. And he stopped and he was staring at the team praying. So someone approached him and said, would you like some prayer? He went, no, no, that's, that's okay, thanks. That's right, thank you, I'm fine. Thank you so much. But he stood, and he walked away and he came back and he stopped again and he stared. And He walked away and then he came over to me and he said, thank you so much. This is so good. I said, what? He said, touch. We have lost this in our community. We have lost the value of touch. And what I see here is somehow this is what our community needs. You know, healthy touch.
1: Yeah.
0: We need that. Sorry, please. We need that. So, anyway. We see, we see healing being released by, you know, how about uh, Jesus, who uh, people just, power's coming out of his body, out of his clothing, and people are being healed. The woman of your bloods, you know, falling way through the crowd, touch the edge of his his garment, power came out of his body through material, think about this, through material, and into her body she was healed. Um, the people, that there's another time the Bible says that people uh, lay this, the, the sick out on the streets and begged Jesus um, to allow them to touch his garment as he walked by. And all who touched him were healed, by Bible says. Of power because he's come, and it's always when he's come out of the presence of the Father, you'll see this incredible release of power that, he, that he's clothed with power, he's filled with the Holy Spirit. And as people touch him, they heal them. Um, people are touching, the Bible by- people are touching, power is coming out of him and healing people everywhere. So many, many people are trying to touch him. How about Philip, where a cloth or a handkerchief touched the body of Philip? So whatever was on Philip. So he's been in the presence of God. Think about this. He's been in God's presence. He is carrying something. A cloth or handkerchief touches his body. What's on him is transferred to the cloth. The cloth is taken to a sick person. The sick person is healed. And here's one that I love even more. A cloth that touches his body is taken to a demonized person. The cloth doesn't interview the demonized man. Doesn't have to leave him in a prayer or anything. I can imagine a person without not even going near that one, throwing a bit of cloth at the demon. The, the cloth touches him and he's delivered. Right. We have made, without, yeah, I'm not going to get on hobby but we have made deliverance, like you need a degree before you can drive out any demon. And the demons just love that so much. You know, the Bible says that Jesus drove out demons with the word. Do you know what that word is? Go. <laughs> how how we you, you know, are, are the demons now so sophisticated? Are they now so sophisticated that they can't go unless, you know, you, you've, and I'm sorry I'm not treading to anyone's toes here, but, you know, that you have to unravel every, every single thing a person's gone and, you know, renounced every single... I've got to tell you this, when you understand you have authority, and you've been in God's presence, but it's not just authority, because the disciples have been given authority. They try to drive a demon out of the boy whose father was looking for Jesus. But Jesus was at the Mount Transfiguration with Peter James and John. Remember that story? The disciples couldn't drive the demon out. Do you remember that? Why? they have been given authority to drive out every demon, to heal every disease, they couldn't drive the demon out. Meanwhile, Jesus is a man-transferation, having an encounter with the Father, with Peter, James, and John. Incredible encounter. Comes down, the Father comes to Jesus and says, your, your disciples couldn't drive the demon out. Perverse and unbelieving generation. How long must I have Bring the point to me. He sees a crowd running. He does, the poor boy has been through so much already. Because you've had the Pharisees having a go and arguing. You must probably say, who's given the authority to do this? Who do you think you are? You have no authority, you can't you must probably start to shout at the demon, you must probably be thinking that this demon was a deaf demon. <laughs> and he sees, and he, sees, he sees the crowd running, and once Jesus did, he rebukes the demon, commands it to go, and never return. So for those of you who are asking questions, so what do you do, Mark, if you're on the street and you know, there's someone who's demonised, but they don't know Jesus? Drive the demon out, and tell it never to return. Okay? Because I know I know what's in some of your minds, what you're thinking, but I don't have time to go through it. Just tell it never to return. Go, never return. So we see people delivered on the chairs, genuine. We see them um, shake. None of the ear piercing. I have on the streets. I haven't had any of the ear piercing, blood curdling screams as demon leaves. So the Holy Spirit really being in control. It's been amazing on the streets. So people do get delivered as well on the chairs. Um, they, the disciples came to Jesus' private. Why can't we drive out? And Jesus said three things. Because you have such little faith, and this time can we come up by prayer and fast? But what was Jesus saying? He was saying, you have enough faith. He you was, know, faith is a must must seed. You can say to this mountain, we're from here to there. Nothing will be impossible for you. He's saying, you have faith. Each one of us will be given a measure of faith, Romans says. The mustard seed, which is like, if I held it up, you would never see it anyway, it's tiny, okay? Is enough if it's put into good soil. It's active faith has to be put into action. And it grows. It teaches, it grows to become like the biggest tree, you know, with, with birds the, with the birds in the nest in it. It becomes mountain movement. But he says, because you know, this country kind of, my prayer and fasting but what? Jesus didn't mean to say that we have to have a lifestyle. But you need to say, hold on, Jesus didn't say this, guys, this is a tough thing, okay? We need need to fast for a week and pray for a week before we drive it out. So Jesus said, well, he just drove it out of the wood right there, go, and it went. But where has Jesus just been with an encounter with the Father? Where are the disciples? Down below. Why Why weren't the disciples with Jesus? If Jesus, going up to, if Jesus was going up to the, to the, the mountain with, you know, for an encounter with the Father, and, Jesus, and even if Jesus said, I'm like, just taking Peter, James, and John, I would say, I'll come with you. Uh, I'll carry the water. Uh, anything, I'll come. Like, if that's what it says, oh, he's going up the mountain He's always going up the mountain. We've been there, it's okay. We'll, we'll just stay down here. And what the Lord is was saying is, we need to spend time with the Father. Power comes from His presence, right? In heal in the healing streets—you're going to see the, the miraculous people heal, right? It's a corporate anointing, but in, but heal in the healing streets, is more than just a couple of hours uh, on a Saturday or whenever you choose to do it. It is a lifestyle that you have to, be, have to be ready in season and out of season. Even when you're on the plane, <laughs> you know, and a person starts to manifest beside you or behind you, you can't say, well, hold on a minute, can just give me a week to pray or a few days and i need to pray fast. <laughs> How crazy is that? You have to be ready in season and out season. That only comes out of continual walking with the Father. That wherever you go, you're ready to pray, ready instantly to pray. So, so many different ways that you can release healing. Um, so, I'll just give you a couple of ideas. I have doctors come to me and say, Well, how can I pray for my patients? I can't actually do that, I don't to do that. So, what do you mean is a faith book? So here's, here's I'm just give you an idea I'm not gonna go into detail because I don't have the time to do this, but I'll give you an idea. I call it I call it the faith book. What I mean by that. Is something that you do, maybe in your workplace. Let's say, let's just say that you cannot use the name of Jesus. Does that mean that person can't be healed? No. Because because when you when you minister, you are doing it in the name of Jesus. When you actually speak in the name of Jesus, all you are doing actually is making a declaration by whose name, by what name, by what power, by what authority you're doing this. When Peter, James, and John healed the cripple. Beggar, remember, they gate beautiful, and the, 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 people, the crowds came and they started to stare at Peter and John. I said, whoa, don't look at us, as if by our own power and godliness we've made this go. It's not us, and they pointed to Jesus. It's Jesus, and faith that comes through him. It's the name of Jesus and the faith that comes through him that's made this even possible. So when you actually say, in the name of Jesus, you can't use that like a formula, like, like a mantra. You know, so the seven sons of were trying to drive a demon, and they weren't followers of Jesus, trying to drive a demon out of a the man. They'd heard, you know, Paul was probably, or seen Paul drive a demon out. And they said to this demonized man in the house, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, come out. And the demon looked at these seven brothers and says, Jesus, I know, and I know about Paul, but who are you? (laughs) And the brothers were going, Guys, I think you're in (laughs) trouble. Why is the fucking the exit? (laughs) This demonized man beat them up so badly that they run naked and bleeding from the house because we're saying, We are never going to invoke the name of Jesus again, ever. (laughs) You cannot use the name of Jesus like a mattress. That's not it. It's a wrong understanding. The name of Jesus is used because you understand that you're seated with Him, you're His ambassador. Who are you? Jesus asked the disciples, "By what name do you do these things? To? By what authority? By what power?" And you need to hear that—not just hear, but hear. I am an ambassador for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I'm a citizen of heaven. Yeah. You know, and I go with the full authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. So you can minister completely silently. If, if, if you were in a situation where people cut off your tongue and your hands, would that stop you ministering healing? No, it wouldn't. There was a woman of God who, who was powerful powerfully, she was dying, and was the time to go to be with the Lord. And even to, to the time she, she went to be with Jesus, she still ministered healing. She's in bed, she cannot move. She's already agreed to be. Yeah, keep bringing them in until I, I get, you know,
1: I'm over till I'm with the
0: Lord. So they start to bring the sick in and then they say well how is she going to minister, she's she's pretty much, she can't move, she can't move, well how is she going to minister you into me? Oh that's easy, when she winks at you that's it. So they bring her into a room, she's like, she can't move, she looks, and she goes. (laughs) And that's it, they (laughs) healed. So you need a faithful, what do you do? I know one doctor, what she does? She takes the pulse of the patient. She, she does every patient to take. takes. In that moment, she releases all that she has. She has made the decision constantly. She releases the authority of Jesus at that moment to release healing. Another doctor, when she has the prescription, that prescription releases healing. A grandfather, a grandfather came to us once in the streets in Correa, and said, "A year ago, I came by here." And, uh, I, and, uh, and I saw your banner and I took one of your leaflets. Your healing flies, like the one we've got here this morning. I said, The moment I took that, because my granddaughter suffers of epilepsy. So said, The moment that I took that leaflet from you, her epilepsy stopped. That was a year ago. That, since that, from the day I took this and I had her epilepsy. To he opened up his wallet and inside was the was the flyer. It had been folded into quarters and it, was, and it opened close several times with the horse falling apart. He very gently opened it up. He said, thank you so much. Handed it back to us. He it said, it's time for you one. <laughs> <laughs> another another, another um, we had an insert from America. She was in the with us for three years. Her parents came to visit her. They came to him on the streets. He said, Can we take one of your leaflets, your flies? You know, we had a daughter back home, she suffered with, with eczema. She's 21 years of age, so sure. she's short. She suffered with eczema since the age of 14, really bad. This is the story we heard about. Okay? This, this is what she said. said. They took the flyer, they put it on the back of their daughter's neck, where she had the evidence, over <laughs> <laughs> the eczema. The next day, is when their daughter woke up, her ex was gone, but there was the outline of the flyer in the back of her. God has a sense of humour. <laughs> See, when you hold something, just say Oh, really?
1: <laughs>
0: if you begin to understand everything that you touch. You choose. You're a school teacher. Every seat, every desk, walk around your classroom, proclaim it. It's a, you know, wow. an anarchy-free zone. That there'll be learning here, there'll be concentration. So good. You know, there's so much you can release when you understand what it is you carry. Okay. So, two ways to pray um, in healing the streets. Well, actually, there's, there's two ways I see people heal, uh, or pray for, uh, for healing. The first one is the petition for prayer. And that is that the perspective is this it's from earth towards heaven. So let's just say this is an imaginary person here, his name is John. So if your name is John, this is not a word of knowledge, do, do not panic. <laughs> okay? So if your name is John, don't panic. John's completely healed, but he's travelled with me a long way. He's completely healed by now. <laughs> so here's John. Uh, John has liver cancer. Okay, how are you going to pray for John to be healed now? What kind of prayer are you going to pray? So, so I, I see a lot of Christians praying this way. It's the petitioning prayer. It's the perspective is from earth towards heaven. So you're lifting. What I mean by that is you're lifting John your up to God and asking God to. So, Father, I just lift John up to you and ask you to please heal and remove this cancer from him and make him completely whole. This is a real short prayer. Make him completely whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Right, so you're asking God to do that. But actually, what you're actually asking God to do is something he has commanded us to do. Yeah? So, first of all, what is, what is the mountain in John's life that has to move? Cancer. Cancer. That's the mountain. Right? So it's like saying, God, please move. Please move this mountain. That's the petitioning prayer. But what that is like, imagine that you're a policeman or a policewoman. Okay? Just imagine. And you see someone, break, And you have the authority of a policeman, policewoman. You have the power, you have the authority, you have the power to back your authority up. You see someone breaking into a car. What is your instinct as a policeman or a policeman, anyone? You're going to arrest them, right? that, thats your authority. you to arrest because they're breaking the law. You're going to arrest them, right? But how crazy would it be instead of arresting them, you went to your next in command, the sergeant, and said, "Hey, sarge, I'm sorry to disturb you, but I just noticed someone was breaking into a car." And I wonder, if it wasn't too much trouble, please, could you arrest them? I mean, you get sack if you went to your boss and asked your boss to do the job he's given you to do. Would you agree? Well, that's what the petitioning prayer is like. You'll never see Jesus' disciples ever pray, never pray a petitioning prayer when it comes to healing that I've seen. If I'm wrong, please show me. You. you know, I'll yeah. change but please show me if you can see anywhere where, where Jesus' disciples prayed a petitioning prayer. It was always a prayer of command or it was a, a, a declaration of faith. So, uh, the other, the other uh, perspective is from heaven to earth. And this is where we, are, we have the understanding and the, um, the revelation that we're with Jesus. It's a place of rest. When Jesus sits on, th- on the throne, at the right hand of the Father, he's in a place of rest, peace, it's finished. He doesn't have to struggle, it's strife, it's done. Everything's been placed on his feet. Doesn't matter how impossible the situation is in front of you, it was dealt with the cross. <coughs> so, and from that place, he exercises authority. From that place, we have to learn to exercise authority. So from heaven, we speak to the mountain. mountain. The word of command to the mountain is mountain new. Yeah. So now, we pray. An authoritative prayer. Now, with this authoritative prayer, one, you're not commanding God. Remember, God is the boss. So you're not saying, God, heal John. That's like commanding, sorry. That's commanding, boss. Don't do that. Um, and you're not, um, But what you are, you're not not speaking to God. So if if your authoritative prayer begins with God or Father, then you're speaking to God or Father. You're not speaking to the mountain. So you need to address the mountain. But as you speak to the mountain, Jesus is listening closely to what you're going to say. He's listening. So, liver cancer, I forbid you life. I command you to shrivel and die. You will not grow, you will not live, you will not spread in John's body. You will not harm him anymore. You will not travel to any other organ in his body. I forbid you life. I summon a whole army of cancer destroying cells and I command you to destroy those cancer cells. I speak to this liver and I command this liver to become whole. In fact, I speak into being a brand new liver in Jesus' name. I speak to every organ of your body, John, that's been affected with cancer, and I say, be made whole right now. I speak life to you. I speak divine health and strength to you, from the crown of your head to the soles of your feet. Be healed in Jesus' name. Because your mouth has the power of life and death. With you blessed, with you curse. What do you want to see happen? What, you, what, you, what needs to change in John's body? Okay. Now some of you may think, well, the thing is, I've been, I've been praying in prayer for, for years. Does that mean that Uncle Joe wasn't healed because I prayed in prayer? No, that's not the case. I want to tell you that God is more concerned about the compassion in your heart than the content of your prayers. That's it true. does not matter if you, get, if you get it wrong. He, he's looking for a heart that is connected and compassionate with that. It must be full of love. You pray in love mm. and with compassion. But understand that Jesus dealt with this and when I was learning to pray, I remember as a young Christian, eager to learn, eager to see people getting healed. And there was a band playing with loud music, people coming to the front for, for prayer, many, many people. There was a man standing in front of me. I asked him, What do you want Jesus to do for you? I couldn't wait to pray. So as I like, listened, strange to hear, I said, Okay, I'm going to pray for you right now. I got my hands and knees, I grabbed hold of his ankles gently, and I prayed my best prayer. But I prayed with faith, I prayed with my whole heart. You know, I was intentional about seeing him healed. I was fervent in my prayers. I I, I was, you know, I prayed earnestly for him to be healed, his ankles to be healed. Mm. I finished praying. I could not wait to see what God had done with his his feet and his ankles. I jumped to my feet. The music subsided. I said, how are your ankles? Try your feet out. And he looked a little bit sheepish and he said, Actually I'm sorry but there's nothing wrong with my my ankles it was my neck. I
1: said, Your neck? He said, I'm so sorry.
0: And he and he turned his head and he began to laugh. He said, It's okay, I'll yield. He said, God you know, God you know, some of us think oh, well, I'm I'm really good at praying. You know? And have you ever opened your mouth to pray? And what comes out of that like, golden beauty comes out back to front, upside down, you know? Oh, that was awful. <laughs> yeah. you know, but, God, but, God, but God sees your heart and says, no, no, that was perfect. So God's more concerned about heart. So don't worry about what comes out. And, even if you, and sometimes when you learn to pray this way, right? What I mean is when you learn to pray with authority, don't worry about getting it wrong. And you can start praying this. And the, the One The thing you're going to find hard to do is pray with your eyes open, which you need to do, and pray with authority. Right? Words of command. So it can be, your prayer could be like this. Imagine you're going to pray for John. Let's go this. It could be like this. Okay. <laughs> Whoops, my eyes are closed. I just, I'm going to just open my eyes. And I just forgot. Almost forgot there. Keep my eyes open. Remember, eyes open. Important, keep my eyes open. Okay. Uh, God, please move this mountain. Oh, sorry, that was a petitioning penalty. Can I just start again? Can I get away? Okay. God, move this mountain. Oops, sorry, we'll start. <laughs> uh, I'm really sorry. Can I just start again? Okay. Mountain move. Okay, now you go. what's going to happen is when you learn, you're learning, you're going to find you're going to pray with your eyes open and closed. You're going to be petitioning God. You're going to be commanding God, and you will chuckle about as well, and, and um, you're, you're going to be praying with your prayers, you're going to mix it all up. But then you'll learn, you'll begin to, just keep trying to think about how you pray. Because the, because praying with authority also helps the Holy Spirit begin to give you revelations. that, that not then you begin to walk in authority, that you realise that everything you do is authority to God wants to give you that revelation that everything you do is authority. So when I, when God was showing me this, I'll just share this story for you before we have our world. That, um, you know, I had I had, I had, these beautiful women of God. They were intercessors who took me under the wing. There were these women who were ages, aged between 70 and 90. As a brand new Christian, took me under the wing. I joined their small group, they they, had, they were intercessors in that church, but they, they had a small group they we were praying for men to join their group. But I think the men were too afraid of joining them because they were scary. <laughs> I mean they could look at you and tell you what you would eaten for breakfast, you know. Again, your life was there, I remember you couldn't hide anything. I remember the days of praying, you know, where, I, where I, I tried, there were some really good people who could, who could pray, amazing prayers. And I looked up to them and I I remember one man. His name was Eustace Wells. It, it was a uh, uh, anyway. He was when he prayed, it was like heaven would open, But he was like this amazing person. I really wanted to pray like him. And one day I opened my mouth to try and pray like him, and everything came out was like gold to you. <laughs> and I felt so bad. And I put my head between my knees, and these two two intercessors came in and prayed for me. And I said, felt how, how, how bad I was for you, you know. <laughs> and it was. They prayed for me, I really needed their friends. I learned so much from them. These godly women, I learned so much. <coughs> and they're the reason why I blame them. <laughs> um, but I remember one of them, Violet, um, who um, we were praying for this ex witch, this witch who had several covens in essence. And these covens could not operate without her.
1: She realized the only way
0: out of witchcraft was surrendering totally to Jesus, she knew that Jesus was the only way out. And she genuinely, she genuinely surrendered to him. But she had to go through deliverance. And here's a bit of advice. When you're in a small room, if, if you ever choose where to do deliverance, try not to do it in a small room where, um, you know, someone does their sewing. There was a sewing machine in the corner of the room and two pairs of scissors hanging on the wall It's not a good idea one was a small pair of scissors about that, that size another was a, like a pair of shears that was used to cut long reels of fabric and um, this woman as she was going she was, the Lord was setting her free she was on her hands and knees her long dark hair was hanging to the ground her eyes were tightly shut I'm two steps away from her. And I take a step forward, I'm driving this demon out, and she shuffles backwards. And I'm following her. And it wasn't long before she couldn't go any further. Her back was to the wall. But right behind her with these two pairs of scissors hanging on the wall. And with her eyes still shut, her left hand whipped up behind her like this. Not to the small pair of scissors, but to the big pair. Suddenly she jumps up like this, and as she jumps to her feet, with this is like pair of shears in her hand, I see demonic fury in her eyes. This demon wants to take me out. But what kind of prayer are you going to pray? Well, <laughs> <laughs> did you pray in the name of Jesus? I'll tell you how my prayer went, it went and this is how it went. My prayer went.) this. <laughs> and the other side of that way and the Lord sets them free. Now for of you that need interpretation and translation means <laughs> in the name of Jesus. <laughs> because everything you do, when you understand your authority, you're in a massive So good. So the, the, the more you get that, the more you're going to find that people begin to, when you, when you have the revelation of that, you're going to see things happen people get healed around you, it. and um, it's a so we've got a couple of minutes before our break, so um, quickly, so what we do is we, we pray, we pray with our eyes open, when we pray, uh, we, the first thing we do when someone sits in the chair is we tell them how much God loves them before, we actually pray for them we um, let them know how much God loves them. God loves them. And just, you know, God wants to say this to you. He loves you, with all of his heart. You are precious to him and he cares for you. Whether a person is healed or not, it's important to uh, convey that to them, all right? And then they can either be healed instantly, gradually, or there's going to be no sign of healing. Um, some things that we don't do when we'll we pray, is uh, we don't keep our eyes open. We don't shout when we pray. Pray loud enough for them to hear. We don't pray. Don't speak in tongues when we pray. Right. I, I pray in tongues a lot. I sing in tongues. I love speaking in tongues. But I do that privately. But not on the streets. So not so they can hear them. Okay. Um, don't, don't pray in like, as if you're in a Shakespearean play. <laughs> Use everyday language that people can understand. If you want to quote scripture, you know, quote God, God has given you his word. Convey that in a way that they can understand. If you want to quote scripture, then explain what it is that God said. Okay. Don't um, when you lay your hand on someone to pray. See if you just come here and demonstrate some of the things, some do's and don'ts, okay. this is for illegal streets the model. So here's a couple of things we don't do. This is called the traffic car. <laughs> Have you ever seen that? I've got this called the traffic cop. Right? If you do that, don't, please don't get a failure, but, but I've, I've, I've named some of these so I can remember them. The traffic cop. The person goes, is he okay? What's <laughs> up? Um, so don't do that. Um, Please don't. um, So this is called. This is called. uh, How do you do? (laughs) Please don't do that. This is called. Bye bye. (laughs) Uh, This is called. uh, I'm (laughs) a conjurer. Please don't do that. This is called. uh, uh, play the (laughs) banjo. I I did this once. I asked. I was in UI and I said, "Can you come? I just just need to demonstrate." So when you're on the streets, doing are on the streets, please don't do this. okay? And this guy, and i just was demonstrating this. The next day, the guy who did this to came up to me said, do you remember me? He said, yeah, thanks for coming. He said, yeah, you, you remember when you were playing the bomb?" I said, yeah, I got healed. Aww. I said, wait, don't tell you what. I <laughs> said, so don't do that. Um, and uh, there's a few others. So there's, there's a low level. I mean, you must have, you can, you know, name yourself as you're seen. There's this is called Struggling hard. <laughs> so, so really away. You see the music. <laughs> Last but not least, this is, this is called, I know Kung Fu. <laughs> Alright, um, so don't, and also, when you do lay your hands, right? Don't just rest your, rest your hands. I mean, you don't realise like, right? how heavy your hands are. I this, hurts all day. You don't realise how heavy your hands are. And the person's thinking, why is this man driving my skull through my spine? <laughs> I do they going to receive like that, because you don't feel that. You're just... so you you really gentle, okay? Please no patting, no rubbing, and no massaging. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or stroking, you know. Um, please don't that but touch is really important. Gentle touch. Please do not put your hands in any inappropriate places. <laughs> Only it's legal and you know appropriate, right? If you don't understand what I'm talking about, please come and see Steve. <laughs> <laughs> by Don't understand what I'm talking about. So, um, but but find a place in the body. You're going to kneel around the person sitting there. Don't kneel behind them. Always kneel. If the person is standing, stand and talk to them. The moment they sit. Kneel beside them. Okay. But right, we're, we're going to have a quick, a quick break, and then I'm going to finish off the rest with a question. Is that okay? So we, we come back in, and take ten minutes, twelve minutes, and then the